Welcome to season one of Prevention Greater Than Cure, a public health podcast brought to you by the Public Health Society at Grand Valley State University's School of Public Health. Our goal is to provide an avenue for current and future students to reflect on today's public health issues while building the competencies and skills they need to become public health professionals of tomorrow. For comments or questions about the podcast or the Grand Valley State University Public Health Society, please email us at gbsuphspodcast at gmail.com. Dr. Julia Vandermullen is an associate professor for the Grand Valley State University Master of Public Health program. She received her PhD in educational leadership with an emphasis in career and technical education from Western Michigan University. She has a master's of education in educational technology from GVSU, a master's in health science from the University of Alabama, a master's of science in biology from Clemson University, and a Bachelor's of Science in Biology from Western Michigan University. Dr. Vandermullen currently serves as a board member of the Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired. She is an active member of the disability section of the American Public Health Association, the Michigan Association for Computer Users and Learning, and GLC Sophie Great Lakes Chapter and Michigan Council for Exceptional Children. To her students, Julia Vandermullen is known as Dr. J. Welcome, Dr. J. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to record a podcast with us this morning. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Yeah, we're super excited. Um, So getting right into it, today is the first day of National Public Health Week, which is a celebration of all things public health each April. For everyone who's listening, could you share with us a little bit about that? What is National Public Health Week and why is it so important? National Public Health Week, just kind of a, a little broad overview, is a way of showcasing what we do in public health in general. And to kind of augment that, we're looking at how we can bring awareness. When we think of public health, at least in my mind, we look at how we advocate, look at marginalized populations, look at social justice and bring that lens together. And going on, um, the theme I think that, that this year is building bridges for better health. We wanna know how we can hit the community and bring awareness to all individuals of all kinds to mm. a better health. And that includes individuals with disabilities and, under, and marginalized populations, which is uh, really important. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree. Um, building bridges for better health is sort of a response to COVID. Mm-hmm. Do you think Um, what does the theme mean for you? And I, I like the theme a lot. Um, what we need to do is public health practitioners in, in professionals is we need to kind of figure out how we build communities such that the bridge is solid, so to speak. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no crumbling bridges. We want to build bridges that have strong infrastructure, mm-hmm. strong initiatives, strong funding, uh, strong volunteer services, strong, I mean, we could go on and and say a a bevy of things with regards to keeping things strong, but making our communities healthier and 
how does that look at it? We need to scaffold and build each layer, creating that foundation, if you will. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, if you if you build a foundation that's got cracks in it, the house, well, the house or the rest of the bridge will fall. We don't want that. We want to be able to put in initiatives that have strong foundations such that we can build stronger communities. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. In this podcast episode, we're hoping to introduce and set the stage for the topics that we want to focus on this week. We're taking a look at accessibility for individuals with disabilities, especially as this relates to climate change and disaster preparedness. Something I never thought about before coming into the field of public health is the idea of emergency or disaster preparedness. Can you explain what this is? Uh, For sure. Uh, Taking a look at climate change, I mean, we can actually go back to some really good information that was provided, um, let me think here for a minute, Um, the EPA. Um, The EPA put out a couple fact sheets a while ago um, with regards to how climate change affects individuals with disabilities. Um, When we think about climate change in general, I mean, think about how it affects all of our health, our mental health, our our air, the water we drink, the foods we eat, the shelter we have. Okay, everyone is affected by um, climate change. People with disabilities, their climate is different. Okay, and we have to take a look at what type of disability is. People with disabilities often face different barriers to access the healthcare services. I mean, think about when we have changes in our weather, changes again in the air we breathe, somebody who has severe asthma, which is considered a disability, and the air changes and the air quality changes. So for example, maybe they live where there's wildfires. The air quality is gonna dramatically drop for that individual. Okay, so that's something we need to, I mean, as an example for, you know, um, thinking about that. And we also have to tell individuals with disabilities experience uh, different social factors. So when we have changes in climate or we have changes um, in our environment in general, that could potentially change their way of life, their education, their employment status, you know, You've got somebody who's affected by, let's, let's just kind of stick with how the weather is here in Michigan. You know, we could have a, a terrible winter. And what if the student, what if the individual's uh, physically impaired and in a chair and doesn't have transportation and transportation can't get them to, there to get them to their job? What happens to their means of income then? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, uh, people with disabilities are, are two times likely to, um, be unemployed because, well, based off their disability. And so again, having that limited income, so them not being able to go to their job is a problem. Um, people with limited incomes, you know, can't also afford, you know, good air quality. I'm sticking with that one because it's just something, it's a topic that I actually think I covered yesterday in another class. And we talked about the, a- the AQI, which is the air quality index. You know, mm-hmm. we have indoor air and outdoor air. Well, if somebody can't afford air conditioning, their air quality within their home is not good for them. Mm-hmm. And that's just one aspect. Um, we can go on with taking a look at and breaking them down by types of uh, disability too. So I'll go with the 
we can probably potentially classify it as a as a disaster, um, but our pandemic that we were in, and we we were able to not I want to say triage, okay, for example, but people with uh, individuals who are hearing impaired, okay, their community. What did we first do? Wear a mask. Mm-hmm. But if you're a lip reader, you can't see people's lips. So there's a communication barrier right there. Again, and then again, going back to transportation, individuals who are visually impaired or blind, they primarily relied on bus transportation. Well, transportation was shut down, right? So how are they to get to their food source? So now we have that issue, again, going back to the fact that um, they can't get to their jobs. So there's their unemployment and then their food all rolled into one based off of what climate, what a climate change or disaster could potentially provide or end up giving that individual. Mm-hmm. So that's just one aspect of it. Um, climate change can um, also, how do I put this? We think about, again, in Michigan, we have our seasons, right? Uh, what about extreme heat? We can have extreme humidity and we talk about, you know, ozone action days. That's a breathing issue, right? Okay, so we could, that, that's a, that, that could be a, a big problem. Okay, like during heat waves, um, people with disabilities, uh, again, are more prone to having health, health issues or heat-related illnesses, okay? Um, so it looks like there are a lot of implications for people who struggle with disabilities as it connects to climate change and emergency preparedness. Right. Um, speaking specifically to emergency preparedness, um, what are some examples of emergencies that we may come into contact with that um, may uh, provide as a struggle for individuals with, in, with disabilities? That's a great question. and. Thinking about, uh, I can't remember what year it was, but we had some really bad windstorms. You know, people with uh, people with disabilities uh, with stuff like windstorms and, and winter weather, um, mm-hmm. they face physical challenges too. Okay, so you know, evacuations, for example. Mm. Okay, how do we? What if a building doesn't loses its power, and they're connected to maybe an oxygen equipment, or maybe they're um, the heat. Again, going from not having having heat related illnesses, we could go the other spectrum and say the cold will also affect them a little bit more. But more than anything, looking at it from what if the electricity goes out and that's a disaster for them, okay? And yeah, what do those people do when that happens? Maybe nobody exactly, else. Exactly. What do they do? Well, we're still trying to, you know, I don't want to say triage that. What are, what are what is what are some things that we can do to train our EMTs, our police officers, firemen? Um, to have a better understanding of the needs of individuals with, whether it's a physical disability, a cognitive, uh, a cognitive disability, um, or I'm trying to think here, I'm drawing a blank, a communication disability, you know, how do we train them? And that's mm-hmm. critical in public health. We need to make sure we have um, individuals who are aware of the disabilities themselves. Mm-hmm. And again, a lot of folks don't realize that uh, MS is considered a disability. Somebody with Parkinson's is, is a disability. There are, are a bevy of disabilities that are l- laid out. 
And we need to make sure that awareness is brought to light on that, especially from our, like I, like I say, our frontline workers. Do you want me to expand on um, what I talked about earlier about having that education and how now that there's, uh, there we're, they're finding out that we need to have this education. So they're training medical physicians and. Um, yeah, I think that's a really good thing to get into. We have this entire emergency preparedness department mm -hmm. and it's supposed to help uh, us be ready for whenever disaster does strike, right? So there are these things called emergency preparedness plans mm -hmm. and individuals with disabilities are often not considered as part of those plans, right? That's correct. So now there's trainings and education surrounding those. That is correct. And I know that uh, Kent County has implemented a number, I think it's like maybe six modules. I could be wrong on that one. So um, I believe that uh, Carla Black and Pat Draper will address those. Um, they're both from Kent County and Kent County, Michigan. Uh, however, um, we need to bring more awareness to that and we need to either mandate it or put policy into place to say if you're going to be or maybe find out whether or not it's in the curriculum for a police officer or maybe if it's in the curriculum for an emt mm -hmm. uh, or maybe it's uh, we know that it's not in the curriculum for md and for for medical doctors and for um, pa programs a uh, mm -hmm. study was done uh, two years ago now on that very issue um, however, a study has just come out and there's a consortium that um, implemented the importance and the value of training, training new physicians on working with individuals with disabilities. And that, that consortium is not here in Michigan, it's in another state. I'm actually going to look it up real quick. Do we know how much time, like how many classroom hours they get in learning about that? Um, that's a great question, and if I if I may have a moment, I'm 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 gonna look that up if that's okay because I remember I had the article. Yeah, no worries. Okay, so in June of 2019. There was an article that came out in Disability Scoop. And in that particular article, it was a consortium that came out, and I'm looking for now, 11 schools, including Harvard and University of Louisville and Georgetown are participating to help advocate and develop and incorporate training on individuals with, uh, for doctors to treat individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Now, there isn't, I didn't, really go through the entire article, but that's one section that really stood out. And um, this particular study and actually was spearheaded by the Association of University Centers of Disabilities or the AUCD, which is an incredible organization that uh, really looks at development of disabilities in undergraduate medical education. And I think that that's one thing that we need to kind of put to the forefront from a public health standpoint. There is one program out there um, it offers a certificate in disabilities, um, and it's, I believe, it's the University of Connecticut, and, and they also published an article in 2000, I would say 2019, in the Review of Disability Studies, and talked about um, the measures of putting 
disabilities in or integrating it either into a curriculum or mentioning it into uh, courses in general. Mm -hmm. So that's really cool. I look forward to seeing the improvements in this area. And I mean, I think that's why we are trying to bring more attention to this during National Public Health Week so that we can share this with our communities. Mm -hmm. I know, like personally, I never thought about this intersection. And now I'm really thankful to be able to learn more about it and share it with other people. It's really important. Mm -hmm. I think it'd make a great study to kind of look at um, police, uh, police uh, programs uh, and EMT programs, firefighting programs, are they incorporating any of this training and, may, and mandating it? Because again, the number of individuals with disabilities is growing exponentially in our country. Six out of the CDC even said it, chronic diseases, six out of 10, which technically, which usually lead to a disability. Mm -hmm. And then it's usually four out of six will have um, two chronic conditions. Comorbidities. Yeah, yeah, which could lead to disability as well. So mm -hmm. it's important that we look at, at this lens, if you will. Yeah, we have more and more people that are that have disabilities and we need to be able to take care of those people. It's mm -hmm. really important. Mm -hmm. Now, anyone that knows Dr. J knows that one sector of public health that she is passionate about is obviously providing justice for individuals with disabilities. In thinking about this area, how do you feel the collective climate is around these issues right now? And what do people not necessarily know about disability justice that you feel is important? That is a great question. And I think one of the things is the arching goal of what classifies a disability. Mm. And folks don't often take into consider fibromyalgia as a disability. Um, we, we know the, the ones that we can see and we can, mm -hmm. we know about like cognitive disability, physical disabilities, you know, communication disabilities, visual disabilities. We can see those, those are the, those are the top ones, but it's the invisible disabilities that we we struggle with. So um, taking a look at them, actually I had something on that too. <laughs> so there's actually 10 principles of disability justice. And a lot of folks don't even know that those disability that, that there are 10 principles, okay? I didn't know that either. Do you wanna share them yeah. with us? Uh, sure, I, 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 I I'm gonna to have to go through my head a little bit. Um, let me think here. I'll, I'll kind of give you the ones I can't remember. How about that? Yeah, um, that's okay. Uh, we talk about um, intersectionality, okay? It's, it's, looking at, how do I put this one? It's, we do not live, we do not, I think there was a quote by it, hold on a second. Um, Audrey Lord, I think is who, the, who said it. I often have this written down somewhere, but I tend to give it to folks during class time because you can generalize it. That's this mm -hmm. quote, hold on a second. Um, we, we do not live single issue lives. Each one of us has something that affects our health in some manner. 
our environment is what we're concentrating on for this podcast. And our climate is what we're, we're concentrating on with this podcast and, and how we look at disabilities. Okay, If we had it in just one single piece, things would be hunky-dory, right? But it's not. We all live, we do not live in, in single issue lives. We all have some type of thing going on. Okay. The other thing that we need to take a look at is, is how leadership takes a look at these principles or these, these principles of, of disability justice. Okay. And are we looking at those who are leading initiatives and bringing them, bringing individuals with disabilities to the table and being transparent about what, what initiatives need to be done for that particular, you know, particular community? Um, So going back to the 10 principles, do yep. you have any of them that you can remember off the top of your head? Yeah, actually sustainability. And I think that that's also one of your questions too. I could be wrong. Was sustainability one of your questions? Doesn't Maybe. Okay. Um, sustainability. Because when we take a look at initiatives and we, take a, we think about disability justice, we need to look at how we're gonna put initiatives in long-term that we can make significant impact okay and provide us with the right tools and the right education to take i want to say to take this i want to say this this topic or this these principles and put them into practice i'm always about applying it we need to put them into practice yeah. so what can we do to make things more sustainable and, and we can always say that the same things, oh, we can put funding in. Well, yeah, we know about funding, but we need to have somebody who's going to advocate. And one of the things I always bring to light is when we talk about advocacy, the term in, in itself is to voice. So how do we voice that sustainability and incorporate disability justice? Mm -hmm. How do we um, bring together um, initiatives? such that we bring everybody to the table. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, really bringing it back that way. And, and that's kind of where I'm, I'm putting that stance. Sorry to end the episode so abruptly, but we like to keep our podcast relatively short for digestibility. Join us next time for part two of the interview with Dr. Julia Vandermolen from Grand Valley State University. This has been episode two of Prevention Greater Than Cure. Hope you have a great day and you join us again. Thank you. Bye.